You're listening to K&J Recaps. Welcome back to K&J Recaps. We are here recapping Stranger Things, Season 2, Episode 6, The Spy. I am Jess. I am Kim. Kim, so in our last podcast, we made a more concerted uh, plea to you guys to uh, drop us a line. And uh, I think we just wanted to start off the top by saying thank you so much. Um, you delivered, guys. Thank you so much. We like like made our day. Absolutely. With the feedback and the ratings and the reviews. Yeah. Like so, so nice. Thanks so much. Yeah, it's really, uh, really cool to get it. Like we said last time, you know, it's we're just kind of doing this for fun it's a bit of a hobby on the side and you know you you are kind of fighting through with a lot of uh, a lot of other podcasts out there so thank you for for everything um we got a really awesome note from mike uh and we are working on mike the rat guy yeah (laughs) mike the rat guy thank you um and he had this really awesome piece about how um you know it's more for him uh, Stranger Things is more than just kind of, you know, being really into the show, which he definitely is. It's like the whole, I don't know, like atmosphere of thing. Stranger Things. This is, I agree. Like Stranger Things is kind of like lightning in a bottle. You're right. And so Mike had this really, really like um, great piece in his message about how much he relates to it. And because he was a child of the 80s. And so uh, he really kind of grew up in that time appreciating all of the things that these boys in the show appreciate and so could really identify with those characters. And I think that that's true of us, too, or, you know, like others who are watching the show who grew up in that, you know, sort of like simpler, innocent time where, I don't know, the best thing in your life was like your great group of friends that you went outside and biked around with all day and stuff. It was just like, it was really fun. And certainly there's lots in there that those who didn't grow up in the 80s can appreciate as well. But like, there is that little bit of nostalgia factor that makes it kind of especially poignant for those of us who did experience it. So yeah, such a nice note from Mike. Also... Quick note that Mike the Rat Guy did tell us that he got that nickname because he has brought pet rats to the local park and he assures us that they were a big hit. (laughs) And I have, Mike, I have one follow up question and it is Did you put the rats? on tiny leashes because that is how I picture it and I hope that it is true. Don't tell me if I'm wrong. <laughs> I love it. Oh my God, so little amazing. rat leashes and they're just like wandering around, little rat poop eggs whenever they do their business in the I park. know, Mike isn't going to let his rats like run on a, you know, in a circle in their cage. He's taking them out for the fresh air. And, uh, and they were a hit. So that sounds amazing. Mike, you sound awesome. Um, and we also got such a nice note from Scout and uh, thank you so much for um, for your kind words. Yes. Uh, and just one other thing, too, is that Mike the Rat Guy pointed out, and this is uh, not good for our, 80, our own 80s nostalgia and knowledge, that the uh, kiss girl that Jonathan runs into at the party is dressed like Frankenfurter from Dr. Frankenfurter. Like, we really from, should have gotten that. Yeah. From Rocky Horror Picture <laughs> Show? Absolutely. We should have gotten that. Uh, so, sorry. but I feel like because you. we didn't get the full body shot to see like the no pants with fishnets, <laughs> like that, that would have been the dead guy. If we saw that, we would have gotten it for sure. But yes, yeah. uh, so thank you very much, Mike, for pointing that out. And, uh, and yeah, uh, if you want to drop us a line, obviously we super appreciate it. And, uh, and or now leave another rating or review. Um, and without further ado, shall we dive into uh, the spy? Oh my God, yes, please. Okay, so we acknowledge that we did not post this episode yesterday, so we are a little behind in our daily efforts. Sorry, guys. Um, So, like, I can't wait to talk about this. It is eating me alive. Yeah. What is going to happen? I know, we watched for, like, we've had this without being able to talk about it for two days. And (laughs) just, sorry, one more housekeeping thing is that, unfortunately, we will not be dropping another episode until Saturday uh morning so sorry guys uh kim just i'm gonna call kim out that she is playing dungeons and dragons on friday night with a group of friends you guys it's impressive this is like it is stranger things inspired yeah that after watching season one i was like this game actually looks 
really fun. So I have played one time before a couple of weeks ago for like four hours. It was three hours of making characters. I am Bryn, a half elf sorceress. Um, I don't know what else. I'm sorry. I'm still I'm still new. <laughs> <laughs> it sounded really good. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so uh, luckily, I'm playing with some people who have played in the past and are like hand holding me through it. But it's really fun. Yeah. So I do have plans to play Dungeons and Dragons for four hours tomorrow, which night. is like basically like role playing Stranger Things. So uh, kind is, of, yeah. You know what? I'm just like, I'm leaning in. I'm going That's so, right. <laughs> embrace, embrace so far into it. I just want to experience all the things from Stranger Things. Exactly. Um, but yes, all I can think of is, Kim, I just am so impressed with the caliber of your predictions that were paid off in this episode, including what I am referring to as the Demogorgai, which is the multiple Demogorgons <laughs> that showed yes. up towards they, the end. Excellent. Oh my God, you know what? Even though I did predict there would be many, like that still, it still surprised me. I was still like, when Steve was surrounded, oh, oh it was terrifying. Yeah. Okay, let's start at the beginning and work our way through. But thank you so much. I feel like we are doing pretty good with our uh, theory yeah, like, right. Uh, we can definitely talk about the part where Nancy and Jonathan make out after us saying that they were probably just going to be friends <laughs> this season. Okay, let's, you know what? <laughs> we can't be right every time, Jess. <laughs> it's hard to keep up with the romantic tension spread throughout this entire series, so. Okay, I re- I know we really are going to get into it, but I am going to say off the top that I am just going to be done with the shipping talk because I'm wrong. I'm wrong on everything. I can't make up my mind. I don't know who I want with who. Show you're getting it exactly right. I'm just going to sit back and let you dictate to me who is going to be the couple because I can- I'm obviously the worst exactly. at that. Me too. How am I even in a relationship? <laughs> You're like, I didn't see that coming at all. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay. So here we go. So we start the episode with Will being rushed to the lab after having collapsed at the end of last episode. He is screaming in pain. And meanwhile, Hopper is being hosed off and scrubbed down after getting pulled out of the tunnels. Um, So Will's temperature is way up and he feels like he's burning, but there's no burns on his body. And then eventually he's sedated. So, I mean, I don't think it's supposed to be a surprise to the Mm -hmm. viewer at this point that Will is obviously impacted by the fact that the vines had been burned at the end of last episode but um the characters of course don't know this yet so we see more of that coming up later in the episode yep uh and then we have this great pairing of steve and dustin that i absolutely love uh i love it (laughs) right and i love the part later on where dustin's like why do you think i'm with steve harrington there's literally no characters who are free to hang out with right now (laughs) that's right (laughs) but um, but like he has such admiration for steve by the end of the episode yes like i love this dynamic it's really kind of it's like a like a younger brother idolized older older brother type relationship where at the same time they sort of bust each other's chops i just i love it i think it's perfectly done yeah uh but they open the door uh so he's got steve outside the cellar door um and steve has his nail bat and they go into the cellar (laughs) well steve goes into the cellar because dustin is uh, gonna stay up up top in case he tries to escape. It's gonna stand watch. That's right. <laughs> there is no dart because there is another shedded skin. Gross. Gross. Uh, and dart has busted through the wall and is tunneling. Um, Yikes! So this is where um, I was like the first hint of like okay these the tunneling. And the vine, you know what I mean? Like, it just felt very similar. And I was like, the fact that this creature can tunnel like this is, you know what I mean? Like, it's related to the vine thing. I mean, it might not even have been Dart who did the tunneling. Right. It could have, like, come and and got him. Yeah. Because it's everywhere. Um, So, yes, it's, it's, Dart is, when we see later, the Demogorgon is still not at the size in which we saw it last season because it's like still walking on all fours but and it has a tail like yeah yeah, it's like it i don't think that it looks exactly like the demogorgon did last season it is a little bit different which makes me wonder if it's like it is it exactly the same creature or is it still in the process of evolving? evolving i'm not sure yet yeah 
Um, so men from the lab enter Joyce's house and they photograph all of Will's drawings. And then back at the lab, Joyce is in a conference room with Dr. Owens and like a dozen other doctors. And so she's telling them about Will's now memories and about how she found him in the field. And like the other doctors, honestly, I got such newfound appreciation for Dr. Owens right? in this episode. I, yeah, like, I he's not agree. as bad as I thought. No, he, he's he not. Might be. I thought he was just a really charming bad guy, but he seems like kind of a decent person yeah who's stuck in a really shitty system and with a really terrible situation here because um yes we get to see him on his own in this scene interacting in a way that where he is trying to do the right thing um with doctors who don't seem to want to do that yeah so that that's coming up in a later scene in this episode but in this one Joyce is still there and so one of the doctors demands to know like why wasn't Will brought in immediately after she found him in the field and Joyce is like what have you done for me it's awesome exactly yes you have done nothing he's been telling you something's wrong you've been telling it's in him it's in his head like why why would I you're doing absolutely nothing for me like this was like such classic badass Joyce who was taking no shit that's right and she was letting them know exactly what she thought and I love that about her character she is she punches back in Bob's words right so yeah. uh no one can answer her when she demands to know what's wrong with Will and she's like There you go. She does want to take Will to a normal hospital, and Dr. Owens tells her that it's simply not possible. And, I mean, to be fair, I don't know what they would be able to do for him that the lab is not doing. So I feel like that's almost, you know, Joyce talking a little irrationally because they're not helping him in any way. But I don't know what a normal hospital could do for him either, to be honest. Yeah, we're well beyond uh, the normal at this point. So it's, yeah. (laughs) Um, so then we're with Murray and Nancy and Jonathan. So they are making copies of the tape with Dr. Owens, or at least the parts that, you know, are going to fit into this narrative. We don't really know what that's going to look like, but essentially, and they're sending the huge numbers of them out to different, all different media, uh, along with a letter. And so they're having a celebratory vodka after they're done. Uh, They think they're going to drive home. Murray insists that they stay over, which they, you know, don't really put up a fight against. And he says that they can use his guest room. And Jonathan asks if he can use the sofa. And Murray doesn't understand because he's assumed that they're a couple. And when they say they're just friends, I love this reaction. He's like, you know, you've told me a lot of weird stuff tonight, but that's the first lie uh, that they, you know, they don't have feelings for each other. So he reads them. It's just this awesome, like, deductive reasoning. Exactly. He just nails it. He um, says that Jonathan has trust issues, probably stemming from his dad. And Nancy is harder to read, but that um, maybe she's accepting, afraid of accepting who she really is. And so Steve is the safety, but she can't remember his name. And when Jonathan's like, Steve. (laughs) Yeah. So I don't, I think it was less her, it was less of her forgetting his name. And instead it was just like Murray, as he's like saying this story, he's just like insert name here. And then she's sort of like, so taken aback. She can't even answer it. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, you hit the nail on the head, Murray. I love that he's so cocky about this afterwards. He's sort of like, you know, just kind of like uh, stirring his drink, looking smug, saying like, how'd I do? (laughs) Really good, actually. (laughs) Yeah, we've been kind of shitty about your, uh, in the earlier episode about, you know, what you were like, and yet you are pretty good at this. I don't know why you live in like a weird shipping container, but uh, with two floors, but but you figured this out. Um, That's right. So we get them first separating to their separate um, beds after, you know, Murray's gone to bed and they're kind of talking to themselves and trying to analyze everything that Murray said. They both meet up in the hallway, both trying to come and talk to each other. The first time is to agree that Murray's, you know, drunk and it didn't mean anything and they're glad they agree and they go back to their rooms. And I really thought that the scene might end here and that they would do this again to us after you know, the almost connection in the hotel room. But no, it pays off. So after more thinking, Nancy gets up and Jonathan's right outside her door and they make out and it is awesome. This was such a fun, light tone. There was Mm -hmm. definitely a change in like musical tone and stuff. Like Billie Holiday is playing through a lot of this. Yes, that's right. Yeah. And um, 
It was just like such a departure from the really kind of like dark and intense tone that a lot of the stuff has been playing out with at the lab, which of course I'm loving and is keeping me edge of my seat. But like, you know, to have this in the middle of it, it was just like heartwarming. And okay, I know I said I'm not going to talk about shipping stuff, but this did feel really (laughs) right. It felt appropriate when they finally kissed and probably more um well, it yes, just felt they're gonna get the world's greatest line which is how was the pullout last night oh, <laughs> double entendre oh, yeah. and that i love in that scene oh my god seriously it's like worth a, a rewatch if you didn't catch it the first time around but i guarantee that when the actor who plays murray asks them how was the pullout and then like starts to really smugly take a bite of his eggs and he drops and the it? eggs and the eggs that was not scripted. Like, I agree. And he just that absolutely right was the character just like the actor just not breaking character and it just yeah. worked out perfectly when he was like, oops. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I have a question. Okay, outside of the relationship discussion, um, yeah, like what is the impact of what they've just done though to try and bring down the lab now that all of they so they it's really impactful at the end of this where they finally discover what's been happening while they've been out gallivanting with Murray and now they've done all this stuff to try and bring down the lab, which is going to put this huge media focus on this lab where Will is, like, yeah. I think that is a really excellent question. And I thought the same, you know, like along the same lines, I was wondering the same thing, but I have not really drawn any conclusion. So things mulling around in my brain are that like, is it possible that the lab will be sort of uh, shut down when there are still unfinished, unresolved issues with the upside down, which will leave our group sort of fending for themselves more so than they have in the past. Because, you know, like the lab is really on our team's side this season. They were an antagonist in season one. So far this season, they have really been on our side, whether or not the reappearance of Elle will make any difference to that. But I assume that Elle is going to reappear and probably interact with people from the lab. So hopefully uh, that won't, you know, change the lab's course of direction to trying to bring her in but in any case I don't know either like um, either the the lab will sort of get you know shut down for an investigation or something like that or it will just face a bunch of scrutiny and uh, bring a bunch of you know maybe there's going to be media in Hawkins while all of this stuff is taking place and then secrets might get might get out in terms of like the bigger things that are going on i don't know what are your thoughts i don't know i've had all of that kind of same line of questioning it also seems like the lab is about to be overrun by demagogi uh so like you know there's bigger problems at hand but i think your thing about you know them saying that they've shut it down even with not everything is properly dealt with because they have to would be is a very plausible kind of imagining of how things might run. And because they haven't told the truth, because they can't, you know, depending on the story that they've made up related to like, you know, what they were, where they were going in the last episode, what's the impact going to be of that and, and on the town and how they're, yeah, they're feeling about it. Yeah. It's It's definitely going to come back though, you know, obviously, but yeah. Um, so we have a cut. Okay. So this was great too. So immediately after Nancy and Jonathan start making out. We have like like kissing noises from so Erica amazing. who's making yeah. He-Man and Barbie make out. It was like at first, I swear to God, you guys, for a split second, I really thought those noises were coming from Jonathan and Nancy. And I was like, oh, okay. That's amazing. I, yeah. I mean, it was just for a split second that I was like, Jonathan is, he is, uh... A terrible Un- kisser. Practiced, like. <laughs> oh God. Uh, anyway, so Lucas finds Erica in her room playing with his toy and tells her to stay out of his room. And she says she would if his friends would just shut up. And this is where he fi- she finally yeah. tells him about the code red. And Lucas is panicked. So he turns the radio back on now that he realizes it's been turned off and uh, messages Dustin. And so Dustin kind of gives Lucas a bit of shit for being MIA, um, but ultimately tells him to meet 
him and Steve at the old junkyard uh, because he and Steve have some sort of plan. Uh, we see them unloading meat and gasoline from Steve's car, but at this point, we don't really know what the plan is. Uh, I love it. I wish we'd had a montage of them buying these supplies because it's like buckets oh of God. meat. <laughs> Monster hunting montage 2.0. Exactly it's like, it. Yeah. From right. Like Steve and John. I'm going yeah, to take, take a whole cow, please, That's in right. bite-sized pieces uh, in two large buckets. And gasoline. Thank you. Just an everyday Saturday, no questions to ask here. <laughs> That's right. Um, oh, and just as a side note, if anyone, um, you should take a look at David Harbour, who plays Hopper. His Instagram is these side-by-side pictures of the actor who plays Steve and David Harbour's, like, early 90s, like, headshots. Yes. And he's posted yes. three or four of them, and they are hilariously. He basically the has hair. Steve's haircut, uh, and they they do have kind of similarities. Anyway, it's worth uh, worth. I wonder if David Harbour used Farrah Fawcett. Yes. hairspray. <laughs> That's right. When it's damp, not wet, damp. Yeah. Uh, so oh, we are with amazing. Hopper, who's been sequestered. He is not doing great. He's barfing into a bucket uh, in that monitoring room. And Dr. Owens comes in and they want to take him to go see what's up. Uh, so they've got him in a hazmat suit. He joins Owens and others and they go below ground. And this is where we get some like a bit of a, the him explaining to Hopper what's kind of happened about these living organisms having a defense mechanism against attack and they find a way to survive. And this is where I'm going to drop in that so I'm always looking for like comparisons and I spent a lot of our Westworld podcast talking about its similarities with Jurassic Park, which they're both Michael Crichton stories. But I am right. seeing so much Jurassic Park in this episode. Um, so like life finds a way is just, you know, such a like iconic Jeff Goldblum line from that movie. Uh, the whole scene with the like, well, the Demogorgons are kind of like Raptor-esque in their like behavior, the like yeah, scene in the bus that. and stuff. Anyway, so I just want to throw that out there as my call out to Jurassic Park. Um, I can see that for sure. Yeah. Like it's just, there's, Anyway, it's a very especially kind of the concept. one scene where Steve is like staring at a demogorgon in the face, and then it like screams yeah. into his into his face. Yeah, even Hopper getting spit in the face in the last episode reminds me of like yeah. Nedry when he gets spit by you know the whatever that dinosaur is called. Like I don't know, wait, there's just right. kind of these little pieces of it. Um, so this you know, organism has found a way to survive and the vines have been growing and spreading underneath the lab like a cancer, uh, which is what he kind of likens it to. And uh, Hopper wonders why they aren't burning it back like the gateway that we saw. And he said, well, there's a complication. And of course, uh, I think we at this point have all put that complication together. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Before we move on from this, I'm going to uh, raise a theory that is somewhat half-hearted. At first, I was kind of excited about this theory, and then on upon further reflection, I think that it's wrong. <laughs> but I'm going to raise it anyway, just because it's an uh, interesting potential. Okay. So when Hopper is barfing into the bucket, like I actually thought the first time I watched it, I thought that we were going to see a slug in that bucket. Right. And I know that I raised it in the last episode and that we were talking about how it's kind of problematic. Like the show didn't really show us that. It's me jumping to conclusions. But when when I was thinking about a slug being in that bucket, I was going through all kinds of different scenarios. Like the fact that if they have, you know, like a baby soon to be Demogorgon that is part of this sort of like virus type structure along with the shadow monster the the vines and will and everything it would allow the um the lab to potentially conduct tests to see how a host is being impacted by the virus and stuff like that like my brain started spinning like ooh that would be cool but now that i'm thinking about it more and i and i you know sort of pair it with what dr owen says in a scene that's coming up very shortly i think that hopper would have to actually be infected himself to cough up a slug right yeah yeah i think so so we can come back to that when we actually hear what dr owens has to say about it being a virus and whatever but like what are your thoughts on uh the potential of a slug in that bucket no So I am, 
I don't know. I like I I definitely see how that could be, but I actually wonder uh, in the same vein, but a different kind of theory, if Bob is going to play a role in terms of becoming infected. And what? I don't have very much. This? To, well, I don't have very much to go on other than there's a moment coming up where he is cold. Jittery. And yeah. jittery. And like. He says it's jitters, but it's. Yeah. Like he seems, Ooh, you know. Good catch. And. It also, like, kind of makes sense for his character. Like, I don't know if there's a kind of sacrificial move that he could make in terms of taking the, you know what I mean, becoming the host of it or, like, something that could. But it just, it would kind of fit with his, like, altruistic to a the nth degree uh, nature, too. Yes, I love this theory. I will love it. (laughs) This theory's based in, like, nothing. I mean, like, as soon as you suggest it, I am just thinking of things to support it. But, like, we did... We did have uh, a lot of of dialogue from previous episodes talking about how alike Will and Bob right. are in in their personalities and like the whole conversation about Bob liking Joyce because she p- punches back and Bob doesn't and either does Will and they identify with each other because of that and whatever. So what if the virus were they look for um, I don't know victims or I know hosts what you mean. that could be. easily overtaken right you know yeah so maybe hopper and joyce maybe aren't the the easiest ones to to infect but bob and will are right are i think that's a really good point liable right because (gasps) like just their natures inherently make them that way and and so they're because they're more susceptible um yeah because you're right joyce joyce would fight something to the like millionth degree and it's not that will's not trying to fight it he obviously is but uh boy, this kid's been through a tough year. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. I really like that theory. I also have, I have other theories and maybe like, maybe now is an okay time to talk about it because it doesn't necessarily relate to a specific scene, you know, scene in this, uh, mm-hmm. episode but remember when I said last episode that I, I felt like there was a theme of sort of being in dreamlike states mm-hmm. and I couldn't really remember the examples that I was thinking of at the time but but I do um, so I have noted down a few things now which is that like um, we have um, Will talking about the now memories were like trying to remember a dream yep. and then Will saying that he can't wake up and then Terry being in like it like she's in a long dream and then I might really still be grasping at straws here but like what if Eleven could like use her powers to sort of talk to the real will inside of his own body do you know what I mean like um so right now it seems more and more in this episode like this shadow monster even if he isn't speaking in the first person through will is really kind of having a hold on him totally. in his personality yeah. in his uh, in his memories uh in his um actions yep. so will i picture is trapped in there unable to sort of like actually speak freely or think freely or whatever so i i was thinking like what if 11 could kind of like get inside will in the same way that she sort of got inside terry ives to see her memories and see what's really going on with will inside of his own body where his actual like consciousness is and like his his you know real memories and like i don't know i'm really kind of unsure yeah i think that sounds super plausible i know what you i know what you're saying and like that she can cut through and get to him without having to rely on his like physical presence being the communication because I think you're totally right and you can see it and I think he's doing a, like it's a great job by the actor to give you a sense of when it's not really will um so I think that that's a really totally plausible idea and that she's going to come back together in this I and mean, we didn't have any 11 at all in this uh, episode, I know. So, yeah, with no eleven in this episode, it really got me thinking more and more about like how is eleven going to integrate her ba- herself back into this story? And once she's here, what are her unique abilities going to bring to this fight? And um, besides the fact that I think that uh, she's going to be really useful in the fight against a bunch of demogorgons, <laughs> uh, I also thought that this was a way that she would be able to really you know, help in a way that our current group of characters just can't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So, 
Uh, Will is still sleeping when Joyce talks to Bob about the aftermath of last year. This is where Bob Bob mentions that um, he's got the jitters because Joyce sees that he's sort of shivering. Yeah. Um, He's sort of like really uh, unbelieving of all of the things that are taking place. They're only supposed to happen in comic books. And then Joyce mentions that she had a million documents to sign, including confidentiality agreements that Bob will probably have to sign now, too. Um, and then Will wakes up and calls out to his mom and uh, Bob calls for a doctor. But when Bob greets Will, like he doesn't remember him at all. So what do you think is the significance between who he recognizes and doesn't? Like, um, Well, OK, so the only thing at first what I thought was happening is that like he didn't necessarily know anyone. I was really thinking this was the shadow monster and that when he says mom, he doesn't necessarily need to be will to say mom, Mm -hmm. you know, like that is just simply a thing that anyone could say, like there's a woman in the room and you're a child in the hospital. Chances are she's your mom. Um, And then like, you know, when Dr. Rowan says like, who am I? And you're a doctor or whatever. It's all very superficial. And so when he says that Mike is, he's my friend, I was like, oh, you know, dead giveaway. And then he says, Mike. So I wondered whether maybe it's Mike's connection to the upside down, like Mike being involved in the previous uh, events of last season that like would make the shadow monster know who he is. I'm still kind of a little bit stuck on the fact that what Will knows is what the shadow monster knows or allowing him mm-hmm. to know. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I guess I I was wondering if it, like, when it's just Dr. or when it's just Bob that he doesn't necessarily recognize, like, I'm like, is it a certain period of time that, like, you know, with all this trauma that the shadow monster isn't able to access those pieces? But then the fact that he doesn't know Hopper, um, but and also like the language he's using sounds similar to L's kind of like his verb tense and like yes. awkward talk. That that's what made me think it was not him talking. It was the shadow. monster. And I don't talking. think it is him talking because I think that as soon as he wakes up here, he's he's in like full shadow monster mode, I think, yes. from here on um, until really the end, I think. Uh, and even so then, the only thing. Sorry, I'm I am. I am altering my statement that I made like literally two seconds ago, which is that um, maybe it is the shadow monster's ability to spy through Will. Like Will, uh, sorry, Mike spent the, the night over at Will's place. Yeah. You know, so maybe over the course of just like the past two days or whatever, He's since the shadow monster that. has been inside of right. Will, um, the shadow monster has learned Mike's name, but yeah. he hasn't learned anyone else's yet. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I feel good about that about where we landed on that. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Uh, so back at Murray's, he's making the kids breakfast, Jonathan and Nancy. Uh, this is where he makes the how was the pullout joke um, with a great spit take from Jonathan. Uh, there's just Nancy checks in with her mom who gives no cares about the fact that she's had been away for like two plus days uh but jonathan can't get a hold of joyce nancy finds out from her mom that mike is with him um but of course this is where we kind of get if we've been over with jonathan and nancy and disconnected from this this is where it kind of prompts you that like oh yeah shit things aren't good at home um and so murray sends them off on their ways with this vodka and like this really like nice departure until he's like Next time you want to reach out to me, don't. And slams the door in their faces. <laughs> like, what a weird guy. He's so weird. Yeah. Um, also, you're welcome, Murray, for solving your fucking case. Exactly. That you get paid the house, a house mortgage for. Uh, um, but I, I still like him. Yeah, me too. Uh, no. So Lucas arrives at Max's and Billy is pumping iron. And he's sort of like, he won't go get the door. He yells at Max to get the door when Lucas continues to ring it incessantly. And thank God so, he does. Because I, I know, would hate I to know. see what would happen if he answered. Uh, like, I feel like Billy is almost scarier to me than the Demogorgon. Yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Um, so... 
Max gets the door and is immediately afraid that Billy is going to see Lucas. So she comes out and closes the door behind him. And then he tells her that he has proof that all the whole story that he told her was real. And so he wants Max to go with him to meet Dustin and Steve. Billy gets suspicious um, about who Max is talking to. But before he kind of really looks into it, Max is back inside the house and says she was talking to Mormons. And then she hops out the window in her bedroom and uh, gets on Lucas's bike. So they're off together. I I thought um, on a quick side note that we might see a later scene where Eleven does to Billy what she did to the bullies, bullies. in season one, where she exerts her power and makes it clear that like Max is under her protection. Like if you fuck with Max, you're fucking with her and kind right. of scares him into submission. I'd like to see some comeuppance there. And we we hypothesized about the parents. Um and, you know, we're going to find out later that you were absolutely right about the, you know, your projection of the step-siblings. Uh, do you think it's significant we haven't seen them in the sense that there's going to be some sort of reveal as to, like, who they are? Or do you think it's just, you know, like many characters in Stranger Things, the parents really don't matter and are often, you know, not included? Like, we didn't see Lucas's parents at all last season because it was never important yeah. to do so. Um, I, I would have said, uh, before this episode, I would have said that I thought it was going to be a big reveal because my thought about the reason why they moved to this town was for a big job of some kind or whatever. So then I was thinking like, is Dr. Owens, um, Max's stepdad, like, you know, something along those lines. But, uh, now I think that it's probably the latter. It seems to be sort of a storytelling device that brought them to this town but then beyond that the parents don't really seem to be relevant at this point that's what I'm thinking now anyway yeah yeah I think that's a good point I mean Hawkins is a very random place to move to as we discussed so it would be but maybe that's it's not that and the important part is telling the story of you know Billy and Max and I can totally see the show doing that too so yeah uh, so then Dr. Owens is uh, questioning Will, who is awake, about what he remembers. We've already kind of talked about this and that he remembers Mike and f- is a friend. Uh, doesn't remember much about the night before, except for he says, like, they hurt me. Um, and they think he means the doctors, but he means the soldiers. And that they yeah. made the shadow monster mad. They made him mad. Um and so this yeah, word- so he's still talking about the shadow monster in the third person, which I feel is kind of weird. Um, but I mean, I guess the shadow monster is just like being a good actor, not revealing that it's actually him speaking through Will's body, if our theory is correct. Yeah, I think, you know, he's talking and th- he doesn't speak like you made me mad, like the shadow monster isn't talking from first person. But I, I feel like it. That's kind of how this, uh, like him occupying Will seems to be going. Like he, Will can't control it, um, but the shadow monster is like forcing Will to talk about the shadow monster like that. You know what I mean? Like, I'm that's yeah. a terrible explanation. But yes, he is not speaking in first person, but is clearly, uh, and even more clearly as the sh- episode goes on, being forced to say what he says. And even towards the end where he feels a lot of remorse for what he said he still seems to kind of be speaking for the shadow monster um so it's you know there's the the strengthening of the shadow monster's ability to dominate will is really showing itself in this in this episode substantially and i do find that the actor carries himself slightly differently he kind of like looks off into space a little bit he yes you know he doesn't make eye contact with people and that's you know the other kind of you know physical giveaways about it um and so dr owens wants to test his theory which we've all kind of figured out so he burns a piece of the vine and will feels the pain um so they're obviously connected yeah yeah i mean like a real hospital would not have come to that conclusion <laughs> no, so it, wouldn't have, yeah. it is a benefit that they were at the lab yeah uh so dr o- owens is talking to hopper and joyce out in the hallway and he says that his best guess is that will has a virus and so as he speaks um we're seeing flashes of images mm-hmm. so he's saying like when a typical virus attaches itself to the host it duplicates and spreads and eventually hijacks the host and during that uh, we see will coughing up a slug and then a virus is alive, has an intelligence. We see a flash of the shadow monster. 
Uh, he says what's unusual is that this virus has infected the host's is that it's sorry what is unusual about this virus is that the infected hosts seem to be communicating so then we see flashes of the vines being burned and of will collapsing in response and then it has some sort of hive intelligence it connects all the hosts we see shadow monster dart a piece of the vine being burned and will mm -hmm. and then the good news is is that a virus can be cured and uh then we see soldiers setting up sort of radar in the underground tunnels and a view of like the whole structure, which is enormous. Yeah. Um, um, so uh, Joyce, we just sort of ends that scene by asking Dr. Owens, like what happens when Will is co gone completely? Like there's none of him left when he can't remember anything else. And uh, no response given at this point. It's not good. Um, so then Dustin and Steve are leaving the meat trail as they walk through the woods. And this is where Steve really does this kind of older brothering I was referencing earlier. So um, Dustin's confided into to Steve that the reason he kept Dart was um, so to impress Max, uh, really. Steve does not think that this was a good plan. <laughs> no, he doesn't. <laughs> uh, and he doesn't understand it. Uh, and Dustin says, well, not everyone can have perfect hair. <laughs> uh, this and is just like such a perfect like a highlight between like what a 12 or 13 year old thinks is cool and what a 17 year old yes. thinks is cool. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It just, I mean, Steve is like, dude, it's gross. Yeah. Like, why, why would you even keep that? He's like, um, because it's awesome. It's awesome. <laughs> and I do think like there's a piece where Steve and Dustin, no matter their ages, will always be in separate worlds from a right, perspective that's of true. Like, what they think is cool. <laughs> but, um, but essentially the overall advice transcends everything now. So Steve says the key to girls is acting like you don't care. Uh, you know, the more you don't care, the better off. The, they react and once you feel that chemistry then you make your move with the right um girl and Dustin wonders which type Nancy is and Steve says she isn't like the other girls and Dustin says yeah well this girl's kind of like that and Steve says don't fall in love you're gonna have your heart broken you're too young um I feel like this is not the greatest love advice, but it does seem very authentic for a 17-year-old or whatever to be giving it. Um, Agreed. Because <laughs> it's not going to play it well in the bus. Like, it's terrible, but... Uh, oh, my God. I love that on the bus when, like, Dustin is a super dick to Max and Steve is just like, great job, man. Like, he's good up. acting, wink. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then we get the excellent uh, hair explanations from Steve, which is super cute. Like he lets Dustin know that his secret is Farrah Fawcett hairspray. Uh, and I if know. He tells anyone he'll kill him. But like how this is, I mean, like honestly, the show gave me exactly what I wanted, even when I didn't know what I wanted. It's just like <laughs> show, this is so peak level Steve. Yeah. I don't like Steve with Nancy. I never have, but I do find Steve really likable this season and he is at his most likable when he's having his interactions with these kids yeah I love Jonathan and Nancy together I think that they just like they did it just perfectly uh, ultimately um I feel like Steve is kind of gonna be the one left without the girl in this season I really I shouldn't have even opened my mouth because now <laughs> that's like, not what's gonna happen at all yeah <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. it's like Nancy's gonna change your mind again <laughs> Just because Kim said that. <laughs> uh, anyway, I love Steve here. I didn't think I'd ever say that, but there it is. He's the best, yeah. And just that this ends, uh, as we're still walking along the railway track, we get um, a kind of pull back with the camera, and we see one of the rotted trees that Hopper has marked. So Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so they are walking into danger. Yeah. Um, Hopper's trying to signal Al via Morse code, but she isn't answering. This is an absolutely gut-wrenching scene. Oh. I like, I just, I felt it everywhere 
I wanted to hug Hopper. Yeah. Um, he is incredibly emotional in this scene. And uh, it has obviously been like two days since he's last seen Elle. So eventually he gives up on the Morse code and just starts speaking into the um, the radio. And he apologizes for their fight. He wants her to know that his not being home is not because of her. And that he all he wants to do is protect her and that he doesn't want to lose her. Uh, so he tells her that he's going to be home soon. And then we get this shot of the empty cabin because Elle isn't there to receive yeah. the message. Uh, um, yeah. It's heartbreaking. I would like to see, I mean, like, oh, if only there was like a, a an answering machine that answered <laughs> CB radios so yeah, she could get that message. Because, yeah. Yeah. Um, do you think maybe she did hear it and the empty cabin is not because she was still at Terry's and didn't get the message at all, but because she just received the message and immediately left to find Hopper and save them from the Demogorgons in the lab as they attack? Uh, wishful thinking? I think it's wishful thinking, but... <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> I do want to see Elle come like save them next episode that is like that is my ultimate wish l come and use your powers to save them from the demogorgi right well we shall see um so back at the lab dr owens is with the other doctors in the conference room and they're discussing will and they show these brain scans so we, this is like the first place where we really see there's been these kind of abnormalities since before all of this happened with the shadow monster uh, but that yep. they were tracking those to PTSD um, and now we can see from you know even the difference between when he was first brought in and now they're like these abnormalities are growing substantially um so you know dr owens is pressuring his colleagues for suggestions and their only kind of response is we need to keep doing the burn uh and they do not seem concerned that that will kill will um and that they think he's gonna die by the end of the day anyway um so dr owens is not happy with this answer he goes to go think so yeah yeah that was the dead giveaway that dr owens is a decent person they suggest that like that they just let will die and he is like pissed yeah say that to me again it's almost threatening the way that he responds to that other doctor when he suggests it yeah um you know like dr owens paul reiser well done well done he can't be a bad guy he's paul reiser like we should have known that right from the beginning i mean that's true (laughs) I'm mad about uh, it. <laughs> um, so Joyce is uh, in Will's hospital room and she's upset that the doctors have been taking so long in the conference room. So uh, she decides she's had enough and just start, tries to sort of storm the room to talk to Dr. Owens. But she's stopped by a couple of armed guards and so as will looks on we kind of see from his perspective Mm -hmm. and we see that it is not normal it's sort of like fuzzy and ultra focused he's like hyper focused on the soldier's gun and then we see flashes to the burning of the vines from the night before and um so mike is calling will's name and he's like in a trance and then ultimately when he comes out of it he tells mike that he thinks he knows how to stop the shadow monster so did like did you think at this moment like that that this was true? That yeah, Will no, I I fell for it. Did have this insight? Yeah, I, yeah, it, I fell it for it too. Paid off for me when the whole thing goes takes a hard left turn towards the end. So which was well done because he, I think again the shadow monster knows to make Will act slightly differently. Like it's a very it's going to be a really hard foe to beat because it's very very good um, at yeah. what it's doing. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, hopefully, Elle can cut through the noise. <laughs> That's right. And Will, from inside his own body, can tell her, you know, <laughs> what the shadow monster is up to. Um, uh, so, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to move on to the next okay. scene, but was there more that you wanted to chat on this one? Nope. Okay. Um, so Dustin and Steve arrive at the old junkyard. There's like this really quick, quick like cute, quick moment where... 
Um, Steve is really like happy with the location that Dustin has selected and Dustin looks really proud of himself like he wants to impress Steve. Um, So Lucas and Max arrive and uh, then we have an immediate cut to Dustin and Lucas who are speaking privately and Dustin is pissed that Lucas took it upon himself to tell Max about everything. And I really kind of get this for sure, even though I think that Dustin is less pissed that Lucas told Max and more pissed that... Lucas and Max seem to have a connection that he and Max do not. Right. Even though, like, you know, Dustin is putting up a bit of a front, I still think that it was, like, kind of outside this group's core code of conduct to have Lucas kind of go rogue in this way. But to Lucas's point, with absolutely no one around, they're actually kind of lucky to have an extra set of hands. Yeah. So, um, so that's where they ended. And then Lucas sort of puts his hands out and hand out to shake Dustin's and ask if they're okay. But before they can, uh, really bury the hatchet, Steve comes over and is like, dickheads, the only girl who's helping me is, or the only person who's helping me is this random girl. Yeah. So get a move on. And, and it's I like, like, so true. Max is working so hard. <laughs> I know. And, and I like the point too, where Lucas is like, well, she didn't believe me anyway. And Dustin's like, you probably told it wrong. And Lucas is smart enough to be like, yeah. You know, like, yeah, just like let that go, dude. And be like, yeah, you're right. You know, if you had told it just to like, you know, that's a lot for Dustin to process. And yeah. Uh, and Dustin does call him out on or sorry, Lucas calls Dustin out on the fact that like the Demogorgon conveniently reappeared. <laughs> you know, yeah. like they're clearly that story is a little suspicious. And there's it's right. Dustin's like, there's no time for that conversation now. So we'll just kind of gloss <laughs> over that. And yeah, exactly. Um, so Jonathan and Nancy are home at Joyce's house. And of course, from the moment they step in the house, things are clearly, uh, not as they left them. The vine drawings are all over the house and there's no one there. And Jonathan finds a cartridge from a Polaroid camera. So they know that someone else has been in the house. Um, and of course they would still be thinking of the lab as like, they won't know that the relationships evolved. Exactly. So exactly. Yeah. Uh, and then, Will is looking at, so they've reassembled the vine in smaller scale with the Polaroid images, and he's got that all out on a table. Everybody is in the room, um, and he finds an area that he says must be important because the shadow monster doesn't want him to see it. Uh, And so we get this kind of montage of there's a team gearing up to go into those tunnels to go check that out. Steve and the others are preparing to take dirt on at the junkyard. Um... The soldiers are making their way through the tunnels. They're directed by the technician who's watching them on the radar. So the radar is going to play, obviously, a key role kind of later. Uh, Hopper and the others can watch what's happening from a body cam one of the soldiers is wearing. And Steve and the kids get into the bus that's all reinforced up to wait for Dart to arrive for the pile of meat. So everything is getting, everybody's being put in positions for this, you know, next sequence. I love a good montage always, but I do think that Stranger Things does a particularly good job of not only just not only doing a montage, but doing a real like um, tension building montage. Mm. I think they do a great job with the music in this show. And uh, this. Yeah. This whole uh, series of scenes where we see our two groups, the one at the lab and the one at the junkyard gearing up for battle. It really kind of built the tension and, um, you know. I loved it. Who doesn't love a montage? It's amazing. Those people, yeah. Whoever doesn't are terrible human beings because they're awesome. Uh, So uh, Dustin is kind of being a dick to Max, which I uh, had mentioned before. Steve thinks that he's just like playing along with the making her think he doesn't care. But Dustin says it's not an act. Uh, I think that he's genuinely pissed at Max for, you know, seeming to prefer Lucas over him. Is that how you're reading it? Yeah. And I think in doing so, he's just pushing her more towards Lucas, right? Like, he, instead yeah, of exactly. talking to her and hanging out in the bus, she was spending, she goes up above and talks, you know, unloads her soul and deepest, darkest, you know, fears to Lucas, which just further bonds them. So Dustin, yeah. you know, no matter what's driving those actions, they're, they're not good. And it's, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, but he won't hold on to this for very long, no, I don't think. Awesome. I think he's going to get over it quickly. Yeah. Dustin's too 
He's too good a guy for that. Agreed. Uh, so you're right. Max goes up top and has a heart-to-heart with Lucas. This is where we find out that Billy is her stepbrother and that they had moved for a fresh start. Uh, and that she worries sometimes that she's a little bit like Billy because he is angry all the time and she knows that she can be a jerk sometimes too. So she apologizes to Lucas and they have a, you know, a real connection when Lucas tells her that she's nothing like Billy. She's smart and she's, you know, cool and and totally tubular. <laughs> um, so then there is a screech in the distance and Dart has arrived. Um, um, so what do you think the significance of this fog is? Like that yeah, is that I was just going to ask you that. caused by the, the creature? Z- uh, I think that it has to be caused, yeah, like I guess – not by the shadow monster directly, if you will, but by this entire system of um, the, the system of infected organisms that are, you know, in the vines and in the particulate matter that is in the, um, the air and the upside down, whatever, like all of it seems to be very connected in some way. So, I mean, we know that the fog is not just a coincidence, which I thought it was at first, just like atmosphere building. But when the Demogorgons arrive in the tunnels later in the episode, the fog comes with them. So I think that it has to be, uh, I don't know, like like part of the environment that is infected and therefore behaving the way the shadow monster wants it to. Yeah. Like I see it as a defense mechanism, you know, it's uh, or an offensive mechanism, I guess. Like it's a very, it's great cover. Uh, It is used to, you know, horrific uh, efficacy in the tunnels uh, because they can't see anything. Uh, And they definitely, you know, it looks like it could be natural here. So it was only on the second watch that I was like, oh, like there's fog in the tunnels too. Like th- this is probably related. Um, so yeah. Uh, so there's fog everywhere, uh, but they can see Dart or maybe not at the edge or of another. the junkyard. But he's not going for the bait. And Steve wonders if uh, maybe he's sick of beef because he's been following a beef trail and he decides to go outside to expand the menu. This is just the first of like amazingly ballsy Steve actions that happen in this whole sequence because like, like who knew that right? Steve was a fucking superhero? Like he's the best and just is. Yeah, it's amazing. So he goes out um, with his bat. Dart starts to approach. He is much bigger than we last saw him. Uh, he's no mm-hmm. longer golden retriever size. Uh, no. And Lucas is watching from up top on the bus. And this is where it just like, I think I texted you in all caps. I was like, Kim, it was exactly this moment. When the, like, camera. It was like, I did not get that text message until the next day. Yeah. Like, I think I had already gone to bed. So the next day at 6 a.m., I get your text in all caps, Kim. And I was like, oh, my God, like, what's wrong? What happened? And then I realized I was like, oh, episode six, of course, like. clearly it's the there is nothing wrong exactly yeah it's the demogorg guy yeah uh so he is steve is surrounded by them and everybody starts to like super panic steve manages to fight his way back to the bus he gets like a couple bat swings in on these guys but it is not secure enough um and they were not they're not as secure as they thought they were given the numbers and so they get in um they it gets really scary. There, one is about to kind of get Max when they suddenly all get up and leave. Um, and I love that part where, like, the one's gonna like screams in Max's face, and Steve stands right in front of it. He's like, "Get out of the way!" And he like, yeah, is just gonna face to face, you know, go down swinging with a demogorgon. Like nobody, I don't know. It's it was impressive. Well done, Steve. Yes. Um, Very well done. So Dustin wonders if Steve scared them off and Steve's like, no, they're going somewhere. Uh, Yeah. Which they are. At first, I was a little bit disappointed, to be honest, because my first inclination, I don't know how I thought this might have might have happened, but I thought that um, L had arrived and was fighting them off. Okay. Like, yeah. So I was like, you know, 
you know that scene on the bus last season when all of the kids are like hiding inside and there's a bunch of men from the lab outside just about to get them and then off scene we get like you know like fight noises and then Hopper comes in and he's like it's clear you know like I I really kind of thought that Elle had arrived and was like fighting them off screen and that we were going to see like our kids come out of the bus and that Elle was just like epically (laughs) taking them all on I really kind of wanted to see that but now maybe we'll get that at the lab somehow right well things are not good at the lab so someone better go help there so okay so so based on what Dr. Owens has said whatever like we have established that the shadow monster is a virus right yes so the virus the shadow monster has infected the vines, the demogorgons, will, the fog, everything. Like it's everything's infected. And they continue to spread on and on and on. Like so will is infected and is therefore the the virus is replicating inside of him, which causes him to cough up the slug. That slug turns into a demogorgon that is also infected and that also is following the shadow monster's instructions and then presumably would spread in another way, right? Yes. Like, it's able to... Like, the different thing here is the hive think, right? Or the... What does he call it? Where, like, it's a guy... The hive mind? Yeah, it's, like, centrally connected, which is not, you know, that typical... Not typical of a virus. So... It's like, however, it, it's, it's hard. I guess it's a bit hard to figure out, like, what's the difference between being infected and just being, like, um, you know, related to what it actually is. I don't know. I'm not explaining this at all well, but. Well, so this was my question the question about, like, the demogorgons in general and okay, whether yeah. all of them are infected or whether some are infected simply because they were, you know, spread by. Um, you know, someone who was infected. I, I'm I'm inclined to think that they all are. So even the Demogorgons that we saw in season one, I'm thinking all were infected, all are a product of this virus. And that I'm thinking that the upside down, like was suggested in an earlier podcast, potentially looked entirely different before this virus took over. And it spread and spread and spread until there was nowhere else to spread. Right. And so given that the, there was a a gateway that was like a portal that was created by 11. There was now a, a new source of hosts for the, for the yeah, virus for it, to, spread like it to. to spread. I think that's super. And, and this maybe is semantics. I just, I don't know if it's that the Demogorgons are infected or if they are like the worker bees of the whole system. So, yes. You know, like it You're produces right. them and they yeah. effectively act on its behalf in a really like, so it's like a centralized thing. Uh, kind of like, um, have you seen, uh, well, now they've rebranded it as whatever, Live, Die, Repeat, uh, Edge of Tomorrow, I think, Tom Cruise. Yes, and Emily I have. Hunt, which is a phenomenal movie. Uh, but like that's like a centralized nervous system and these mimics that go out and act on its behalf, you know. Um, I completely agree. I don't think that I was um, saying it very well. But yes, I, I agree that um, they are probably not infected. And instead, they are the product of infected hosts yeah. producing them. And I think that you put it really well in an earlier episode when you said that they are the foot soldiers and that right. like the the shadow monster is the big bad. And so they, ultimately, I think the big question is, is that what is the origin of the shadow monster? Yes. If that, if the upside down is not actually its origin, if it, it overtook and infected that world like it's infecting ours, where did it come from? Yeah, because I, like, I had a lengthy uh, text exchange with my friend Christy about what is the upside down, uh, which, you know, gets a little mind bendy and uh, and bizarre. But it's like there's, everything is exactly the same. And so if it is a multiple you know, parallel universe, um, you know, was it very much, was it almost completely in tandem with ours until this infected it and that mm-hmm. has been relatively recent or like, is it something completely different? Um, yeah. But yeah, I think you're, that's totally the trail that I am on too. So we have known to been wrong before, but like yes, with everything yes, that Dr. Owen said, I think that's where we're supposed to have gone at least, you know, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. fair enough. Um, okay, so meanwhile, the soldiers approach the area Will has directed them to. Hopper recognizes it. You know as what it being is? Like this, like 
den? What? No, it's a it's the tunnel that went through a graveyard. That's why all the bones are there. Oh, I'm so stupid. Uh, I like it took me the second watch and he says, "Yeah, that's the graveyard. That's where I was." And what he means is like it literally tunneled through a graveyard, which means all the body like the bones that are in the ground are now in the tunnel. Oh. I really thought that this was like I I heard him say graveyard and I still was thinking that it's like, you know, he called it that because there were like bones. bones. Yeah, I really think I I like I really think it makes Good more call. sense as to why nobody's missing. It's dead people <laughs> and it just happens to have gone through that area and um that's where he tried to get out. Like maybe he thought he could if he found a grave or something, but like anyway, that's uh sorry, just an aside. Oh, very good call. Um, okay, so it's uh, it's in the same graveyard then where Hopper was the night before. Um, so over the radio, we hear growling. Fog moves in, and then Will back oh. in his room says, "He's sorry. The shadow monster made him do it. They shouldn't have made him mad." And Mike realizes that the shadow monster has been spying on them. Through Will, just like you said, it's Voldemort. It's fucking Voldemort. <laughs> the connection goes um, both ways. Oh, shit. That's right. Oh, the that, connection like, goes both ways. This scene is so, this is such a great end to the episode. Like, yeah. when he says he's sorry, you just have this, like, holy shit moment of you know what's about to go down. And and it's just, I don't know, the interspersing between this little tiny vulnerable kid on a bed and the carnage that happens in this scene. Like, oh. Yeah. Yikes. Uh, so Mike tries to warn them, but the armed guards won't let him pass. And then, oh, this was like, this was like the the real moment for me. I mean, like realization had already struck, but I thought it was going to be contained to the soldiers. But when Mike says to Joyce, you need to get out now, they're almost here. That is terrifying. Yeah, Will says it. Yeah, I know. Like, and she... She knows, you know what I mean? Like, it's, uh, and what is she going to do? Like, oh. Yeah. And so the, um, the the episode ends with Hopper coming to this realization, seeing on the radar the red dots representing Demogorgons after having killed all of the soldiers are now moving as a pack towards the lab. We hear the growling at the bottom of this, like, pit and then the first of the demogorgons is seen like coming out the top oh and there's so (gasps) many of them there are so many dots on that screen like it is not i don't know i don't know what is the how so i mean like that one we have big questions of course (laughs) like how are they going how are they going to get out of this pickle with the demogorgons um like, how are they possibly going to fight them back? And how are they going to fight them back without killing Will? And even if they find a way to fight them back without killing Will, Will only has a day to live? <laughs> Maybe, yeah, I know. Well, really, t- till tonight. But that also is like, you know, when they said that, I was like, uh, I mean, how, do, how the hell do these guys know? Like, yes, in normal medicine, but like everybody is outside of their scope of expertise at this point too you know like that's true was part of that just to justify that you're probably going to kill him by trying to do what you were doing and um right but anyway i um i'm gonna throw this out there even though it's cuckoo bananas but like i'm kind of going back to my water theory a little bit like how are they going to contain the demogorgons without killing will like maybe they drown them (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> maybe they fill the whole thing with water they flood the entire building i like it well we no, shall but see I, I feel like there's gonna be something other than fire that they're going right, to find to a way to, to yeah yeah yes, something that won't exactly. affect will like physically but will but will accomplish the same but thing. we'll still hold yeah. them at bay yeah. maybe water you maybe. never know uh, well, we get to go watch episode seven now. We are down to three episodes left. Um, so we will do that and be back soon with our recap of episode seven. And we are going to um, finish up the whole se- the whole season this weekend. It's like, it'll be both exciting and sad. <laughs> it's going to be I sad know. when it's over. I'm really I loving know. it. So, yeah. I know. I, I uh, Just the prospect of waiting another year to see um, season three is like already depressing me and we haven't even finished season two yet. But 
I love this show. It'll just give us lots of chance, uh, lots of time for a rewatch and uh, and to experience lots of theories in between. Exactly. Okay, well, thank you, Kim. Thanks, guys, for sticking around. I know this is a long one, but this is such an important episode. And uh, we will see you again at episode seven. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Bye. Bye.